Please turn with me, congregation, to the Gospel of Luke, to Luke chapter 2. We will begin the reading at verse 21 of Luke chapter 2 and read to verse 35. Our focus this morning will be on verses 34 and 35 of Luke 2, starting at verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, that is Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom, uh, the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child's destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Thus our reading from God's holy word, and may he bless his word to us. It's a strange thing, I think, to talk about a sword in connection with remembering Christmas and its recent celebration, because Christmas is about love. It's about God's great gift to us, his provision, his fulfillment of prophecy, uh, it's uh, filled with angelic songs, heavenly birth announcement. It has uh, skies shining bright with angelic armies singing praise to God. That's what a host is, you know, something of an angelic army. You know, the big military choir where the angelic military choir, hey, look at this. This one has come great joy, peace on earth to those whom God, with whom God's pleased. Uh, there's, there's these marvelous themes. And then you come some days later and they're going to have Jesus circumcised according to the stipulations of God's word of the Mosaic law. And there's one there, a Simeon, who starts talking about a piercing, a stabbing sword. A rising, a falling, a vanquishing, a scandal, opposition, 
hostility, suffering. Do we get Christmas? Guess how you're not saved. Jesus became a little baby, was laid in a feed trough, and everyone's saved there. Uh, Jesus just appeared on earth and salvation's done. No. Jesus became the incarnate one and just existed and were saved. No. He became incarnate and he took on our flesh and our nature, our blood, and even finally bore our sins to do a work in that role and capacity to save us. And the work he comes to do brings with it a crown, but a cross too. Brings praise, but brings, must bring repentance. Brings victory, but only because of a sword. And we're going to talk about this sword of Christmas this morning. It is the following another theme in the Bible as they hear this Christmas blessing, this Christmas message of Simeon. It's a message that's sour in the stomach, yet sweet in the mouth, or you can reverse it. It is sweet on the tongue, a tasty tongue message, but a bitter belly message too. Let's look at this. Simeon's there. They come to the temple. There's an old guy there who's been waiting for the consolation of Israel. Been waiting for a time in which it's not sad and dismal and dark and bleak. In which God's kingdom cause his people. Remember, how big is kingdom of God on earth? It's one little sliver of real estate in Palestine. Of the whole planet, here's one little tiny sliver where God has carved out some kingdom. And then that's all compromised by a compromised people. And the mightiest power on the earth has its big fat thumb on top of it oppressing them. No wonder he's waiting for consolation, for help, for an answer, for something better than this. And the Holy Spirit has driven him to the temple and it had been revealed to him, Simeon, you won't die before you see God's answer. God's Christ, the Messiah to come, the one who will lift the dismal darkness away, the one who will uh, take the pain away, and you can find consolation and help and hope. So that's the context is Mary and Joseph will be law fulfillers. They're not going to, well, who cares about certain? No, they're going to do the stipulations of the law. They bring Jesus to be circumcised and so forth. And when Simeon sees this child, the Holy Spirit had shown him, yes, this one. Here's the one. And it's uh, with a remarkable presence that he uh, then speaks here. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now sit, dismiss your servant in peace. I have seen the answer. He hasn't seen how it all goes, but 
it's been revealed to him that there's crown here with cross. There's victory, but with a sword. And that's his prophetic message he brings there. My eyes have seen your salvation. You've prepared in the sight of all people. It's a salvation not just for Jews. It's a salvation that enlightens not just Israel, but fulfills the Abrahamic covenant. It's a light for the Gentiles. It's a light for the world. It's a light that spreads out to all the nations. And a light for revelation. And the glory of your people... And Mary and Joseph marvel. Wow, do you hear this? And he blesses them. He pronounces a big benediction upon them. And he said to Mary, his mother, this child's destined for something, get ready, to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Get ready to be a sign that will be spoken against. Peace on earth, the angelic glory, praise God in the highest. And they won't like it. They won't like him. Hearts are going to be exposed. It's still true. What think you of Jesus? Well, he's a nice man. He set a good example. He, he, if we could just all be a bit more like him. He's kind of a nut, isn't he? What does he think, he's God or something? Yeah, well, he's, he's a way to the Lord, but he's not the way. Hearts are exposed. You know, it's, it's rather difficult to remain indifferent. There's people who are very hostile to Jesus, very hostile to the faith, only because they get it. Man, message received, I don't like it. It's often people who they don't even get the message. They haven't really thought about it. Oh, yeah, that's all nice. All swell, yeah, whatever. Is he Lord of your life? You called him Lord. Is he Lord of your life? Does he rule your thoughts and minds and hearts and attitudes and actions? Do you follow him? No? Your heart is exposed. All our hearts are exposed. That's what uh, Simeon comes telling them. It's not a message they particularly want to hear, but it's not a shocking message. It has this twofold thing, tasty on the tongue, something sweet, consolation, he's the answer, something bitter. A cross, a sword. It's, it's a theme you find, for example, in Revelation chapter 10. In fact, that's where I grab that metaphor from. In Revelation chapter 10, you have this mighty angel who comes from heaven. He's robed in a cloud, a rainbow above his head, face like the sun, an angelic creature, all the glory of heaven. And he has this little scroll open in his hand. And John, in his apocalyptic vision, is made to eat this scroll. And when he eats it, it's like sweet as honey on the tongue, but having eaten it, it's bitter in the belly. That's because the message of the way and the path of salvation is something sweet, but it also comes through a narrow path. 
it comes through a, a, the hard road of repentance. It comes with humility. You can't pridefully enter the kingdom of God. The blessed are not the, proud, the prideful. Blessed are the prideful. <laughs> Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. No. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the weak. Blessed are those hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Not blessed are those who think the world's great the way it is, with all its backbiting and devouring and selfishness and stinginess and infidelity and everything that goes with it. Not that! They're not blessed! Blessed are those longing for kingdom of God. Blessed are those longing with Simeon for the consolation of Israel. Blessed are those looking to Messiah who's come now as the way, the truth, the life, the answer. You see how that, how that goes? A message that indeed is sweet, but it comes with a cross. And that's what Simeon uh, tells them. So John, in Revelation 10, is made to accept that message very concretely. And then in, in Luke 2, uh, Simeon talks about it. This child's destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign spoken against. Jesus' own ministry was that. He heals people in the cloud, crowds throng. He even raises Lazarus from the dead. And people believe. But then the Sanhedrin gets together and say, we got to do something about this guy. It goes on like this. Everyone's going to believe in him. And then you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? Because we know who's really God and Lord and King and ruler of the world. The Romans are going to come and come along and they're going to take away our place and our nation. They'll destroy this temple. They'll wipe us out. We know who are the movers and shakers are. We've got to do something about this Jesus lest we make the Romans mad. Rising, many believe in him. Falling, many denounce him and plot against him. Hearts are exposed. Mary, Joseph, the one you call Jesus, Savior, the, the ultimate Joshua. Mary, Joseph, the one you've brought and about whom the angels have declared, here's the way, the truth, the life, the answer. About Simeon, here is Messiah, the, an, the, the, the consolation, the hope. Mary, Joseph, he'll be a sign spoken against. We see it throughout Jesus' ministry. He's, his own message was, you receive me, you heed my words, you do what I say. You're a smart builder. You're a rock builder. You lay a big foundation on steady rock foundation. And when life and all of its temptations and problems and disappointments come thrusting, you stand sturdy because your foundations on him. But if you don't heed what he says, you don't pay attention, you don't agree with it, you don't really submit to it, you don't like it, you, eh, maybe it's true. 
And then when life gets difficulty and temptations come your way and disappointments and frustration and sorrows and burdens and life's not hitting on all cylinders, crumble crash. Rising, falling. Or Jesus' parable of the tenants. Remember the tenants? And the owner of the vineyard comes along and he says, well, I'm going to send some servants to see how it's going in my vineyard. And the tenders of the vineyard said, oh, yeah, they butt out, stay away, shut up, and they beat them. Oh, well, I, 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 I'll send my son. Oh, they'll pay attention to him. Oh, here's the son. Here's the heir. Let's kill him. Let's be done with it. We'll, we'll, we'll just commandeer this for ourselves and what's the conclusion that Jesus brings what do you think the owner of the vineyard's going to do oh okay no he's going to come in wrath and judgment and that was a parable told against the Jews who who oppressed the prophets and come and finally plot against and do kill the son What's the response? Oh, well, okay. Whatever. No. There's hell to pay. And the Jews perceived that this was spoken about them and their unbelief. And so all the more they plot to kill Jesus. The rising of some, the falling of others. And it's true in the church. Sadly, even among covenant youth who've been nurtured in the faith, and I say with this with tenderness, not with any uh, looking down on anyone. We all have to be humble here. But sometimes within the same family, the same nurture, the same love, the same sort of Sunday school catechism, sermon instruction, all kinds of things. And yet what is a rising faith in one child is a falling away in another. How, Lord? Why, Lord? How can it be, Lord? But he is a stone of stumbling. The capstone, the stumbling stone. Rising, falling. Jesus himself said, look, I don't come to bring peace. He's the prince of peace. But he doesn't come to bring peace between people. Can't we all just get along? Kingdom come is a violent action. It's a sword action. Kingdom come requires a change of heart. You can't stay the same. Kingdom come divides families between believer and unbeliever. It promotes a covenant line of believers, but not all always believe. It sets mother and father in opposition, or, or, or father and son. It can do that within a family to serve Christ or no. I don't come to bring peace, but a sword. But it's a sword that saves. It's not just raw violence for raw violence. It's more surgical. It's, you know, a surgeon does something violent, cutting open a body. It's bloody. It's scary. But in removing a disease, it's, it's healing. 
And the sword Jesus brings is for our salvation. That's how uh, my eyes have seen your salvation, he says. This child's destined to cause the rising and falling to be a sign spoken against so the thoughts of many hearts are revealed. What's revealed in my heart, in your heart? When we pray, thy will be done, as Jesus had to learn to pray and prayed even in Gethsemane, God's will being done brought him to a cross before it brought him to a crown. Not my will, thy will be done, and that brings him to a cross. It's no different, no servant's greater than his master. When we pray, Lord, thy will be done, he takes us through dark valleys of shadows of death. But he takes us through them. He takes us to to follow the master, you deny yourself, and you take up a cross. What's a Christian? They're cross-bearers. Cross-bearing isn't that I had to deal with my mother-in-law these 50 years or 40 years. (laughs) Some people talk about buried a cross. Oh, if you knew the boss I had at work, oh, what a cross. Oh, the kids the Lord gave me, they're so difficult. Oh, the cross. That's not the cross. The cross was something in ancient culture that if someone was burying a cross, they were going to their death. A crucifixion death. Oh, look at that guy carrying a cross. I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, he's going to be crucified. For us to bear a cross is to die to the sin in our lives. There's your cross. So your mother-in-law, who might be difficult, exposes sin in your life in the way you respond to her. She's not the cross, but how you respond to your sins and that you would repent of those sins and fight those, that's your cross. Die to that. Die to old self. Die to stingy self. Die to selfish self. Die to lustful self, greedy self, you know, grudge-bearing self. There's your cross. A sword of the gospel needs to penetrate and cut into you, pierce you, and it hurts. It hurts to see our sins. That's why we weep about them sometimes. That's why we're shamed by them. But it's a sword that pierces to save, to heal, to bless. He he says that to Mary herself. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now on one level, of course, the sword that will pierce her is to see this way, truth, life, Messiah, this fruit of womb, this miraculous child, this virgin-born, conceived child, despised, rejected, crucified, spat upon, jeered at. Yeah, that's one level of it. But also the sword that she, the very instrument to bring forth Savior, is the one who also needs him. 
It's not like Mary's exempt from needing Jesus the Savior. She needs him too. And she needs him as the one who goes to the cross. She needs him as the one who must suffer this for her. As you need him as one who suffers this for you. As I need him as one who suffers such for me. That's a sword that should pierce your heart. What does it take to save you? A cross of shame. The Son of God in your flesh bearing your sins. Well, I don't have those scandalous sins. Okay, fine. You just have the little mean, sneaky, hidden sins. Pick your sins. I don't care. Well, he's a drug addict, and he has these kind of, he's done violent, those are one kind of sins. What are your kind? Judging everybody's sins? Thinking you're better than other people's sins? Have you ever wept over those sins? You need a sword to pierce your heart. And you need to repent of those sins. I need to repent of my sins. And real repentance is a kind of piercing inside us. And because, oh, I understand, when we repent of sins and confess and ask forgiveness, it doesn't mean we always have to be moved to sorrow and tears, but it does mean that we always have to be moved to sincerity and weakness and humility and dependency seekers of mercy with empty hands to receive what only God can give. Simeon is consolated, consoled, comforted. He only sees a glimpse of this salvation in infant form. But God, through the Holy Spirit, gives him a glimpse of a sword that awaits, a scandal that follows, a falling or rising. Now, why would we as Christian church think otherwise? Why would we think the cause of the gospel should just chug along, you know, on cruise control? It's all so easy and it's all nice and we all smile and hold hands and the world and the church just have their arms around each other and it's just wonderful, wonderful. No, there's rising and falling. There's scandal. There's difficulty. There's conflict within homes over Jesus. There's conflict in your own soul over Jesus. There's conflict over what does God's will mean here for me? Why this? And yet, rising in faith to find our only comfort in life and in death as we've confessed for so many years together as a community that I don't belong to myself. I'm not my own. I'm not my own Lord, my own master, my own pilot, my own helmsman. Nope, nope. But I belong to him. 
And even if I, my body's ravaged by disease, even if I know financial want, even if I'm oppressed and persecuted and put in jail for Jesus' name, whatever, and there's many Christians who suffer a lot worse than what we've suffered. Doesn't matter, I'm his. I'm kept, and I have all the promises and the riches of kingdom come. This life is a, a momentary little bleep on the graph of the eternity that is ours. He calls us to faithfulness, to blessedness now, and now marry her. He helps us see that the coming of Christ is a violent act in which Jesus will embark upon a forward march into the devil's territory. And it's still going forth this way. It's still a battle royale. It's still the great conflict of kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. And we're in the midst of it. We're not called to lay down our arms. We're called to wait in him and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. To preach that word, to preach that gospel, to announce that Christ and look for the power of the spirit himself to change hearts, mend lives, as we ourselves continually plead that Christ and that gospel and that help of that Lord in our lives. Our children need this nurture. Our grandchildren need this help. We're all dependent. None of us can stand on our own. We need the grace of God to surround us lest we fall instead of rise at his name. As the song goes, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Lord, may we stand up, not because we're strong, but because you are. May we stand in faith at the one who brings a salvation, a, a consolation. And Lord, let us bear a cross and suffer a piercing of a sword. But let it be a piercing that heals us, changes us. Lord, may I hate my sins and turn from them again and anew. May we grow up as a community, give light to this world, to our own nation and community. So many astray, so many people under addiction, so many people's lives fractured. Lord, bring lightning, lift up leaders, give ears to hear. Let there be rising at the name of Jesus. For we know there's also falling at the name of Jesus, the sword of Christmas. Amen. Lord, grant us this faith and this hope. May we see that the gospel is sweet, and yet there's something bitter, disturbing. But that must be so. Let it be so. That the sword of Christmas may prevail, that Christ's kingdom come may indeed come in all of its fullness, its power, its blessedness, its glory. Lord, may your church onward march under his, uh, his saving power, his grace and favor. We ask this in Jesus' name.